You're listening to Honest Participants Only, a Dream Days Experience podcast. On today's episode, I have Di Manuel. Um, Have I pronounced that correctly? Absolutely. Well done. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I want to tell my listeners about you because... I have been excited for this interview for a long time. This is what you say about you, right? And I, Mm. speaking to you before this interview, I believe all of this to be true. Not that (laughs) that people go around lying on their bios or anything. (laughs) (laughs) So you tell me that you're an award-winning digital thought leader and author. You're a distinguished Toastmaster and keynote speaker, former partner and chief operating officer of a multi-million dollar retail company and sought after lifestyle mentor, executive and executive performance coach there's a lot more that you tell me that we will get into in the sure, interview, sure. but does that accurately i mean it sounds like a huge amount well, yeah but the, you know the funny thing is she like the, the the titles that actually matter most to me in life like if we had to put a label on it you know is the fact that i'm i'm just a very engaged dad i like to yeah. consider myself a super dad and my kids validated this that's true and uh i've been dating my wife for almost 20 years and so i mean th- those are honestly a, a big part Part of why I do what I do, um, those internal drivers. And so those are really the biggest things. The other stuff is just, you know, it, it, it's, uh, yeah, call it my icky guy. It's that reason I get up in the morning. It's the things that I really enjoy doing, but you know, nothing surpasses being a dad as well as being a, a dedicated husband and best friend to my wife. Awesome. Yeah, no. So I absolutely love that. So you're a super dad. See, this is the other thing. It's almost like you have Okay, I was going to say you have double personalities, but that sounds negative. Uh-huh. It sounds like you're a little bit loomy. But I'll no. take it. I'll take what it. <laughs> what I mean yeah. is you've got this kind of professional persona, but you also have this other persona, which is super dad. Um, mm. You date your wife, which I think is amazing because, mm. you know, you're not just married. Marriage yes. is something yes. we all understand the kind of constructs of or whatever. But to yeah. date your wife stands out because it means that you're actively continuing to court this person, the love of your life, right? I love that. Um, You say that you've got a lead by example way of living, uh, a contagious personality. You're on a mission to positively impact 1 million role models around the globe to lead a functionally and you spelt yes. the f-u-n in capital <laughs> <laughs> capitalized. Um, functionally fit life through education, encouragement and community. Yes. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, well, it's funny, right? We, we, I was talking to somebody the other day and uh, we were talking just about missions, right? And visions. And, and we sort of got into the semantic debate of the differences. And, uh, you know, it, it is, missions are wonderful because it's usually something that somebody can get behind. They, they can really embody that, you know, like a team can get behind it because it's often a bigger than us, right? It's yeah. bigger than any one individual, but the vision, it really is a very personal thing. I mean, yeah. we can share a vision, but the way we interpret it, the way we go after it, the way we live it, it is very different from person to person. So, you know, I try to merge both my vision, but also my mission into one statement, which isn't easy, you know, and especially to distill things down to only a few words. I mean, I get it. And that's why I always appreciate really, really great writers, you know, that yeah. can just capture our imagination and get a point across in as few words as possible. So... Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a simplifier. I try to make things simple and easy to, to, to understand, assimilate, and, and ultimately implement. But the best way to do that, role modeling. 
You know, yeah. I got to lead by example. I got to do it first because if I can't do it, I don't feel right about talking about it, you know? Yeah. Do you think, so you've, you've had these two separate lives that actually I, I say separate only because again, mm-hmm. in on paper, there looks like yeah. there's a stark difference, but actually you come across as somebody who puts a hundred percent of effort into whatever it is you're doing. Would you say that the level of commitment or the level of um, the difference in how much you have to put into these things is stark in your experience or is it actually just a different mindset? Is it when I'm with my family, it's much easier and I can just exist in this place and just be the best I can. But when I'm being a digital thought leader, Mm. I have to strategize and, you know, how different are those kind of dies in your head? That's that's a really good question, you know, Uh, because There's been, if, you know, if you asked me this question at different periods of my life, I would have had very different answers, you know, because I was a different person at those times, but also my understanding, my knowledge, how we go as far as say my wisdom, <laughs> you know, at those points were, were limited based on just where I'd been um, from an experience level, but also from just a personal growth level. And uh, now, you know, my wife and I were, we have a, an understanding and a sort of this, this underlying driving belief and it's, it really does come from, you know, show, don't tell. And so we are, what you see is what you get. I mean, we made a decision a long time ago to be very transparent with what we do online. And if it's something that we truly don't want to share, we wouldn't want people to know about, then we don't share it, you know? And, and it's, it's created this bit of a filter, but we don't want to add to the noise. Um, so yes. we, we only talk about things that really interest us. Like I have a filter and my it's filter is so noise should, right now though. Well, it is really it's and it's not getting better, you know, yeah. and, and so our filters, at least for me specifically is, is to produce content and to create conversation that not only inspires and motivates, but also educates. And I like to do it in a fun way. Yeah. You know, there's enough drab stuff out there. A lot of things. I have a good friend of mine in Vancouver. I got a message from this this morning, early this morning when I got up, that awful plane crash that just happened with, yeah. with over 60 uh, Iranians that passed away and uh, two of which are his family members. And, you know, and uh, it's just awful. You know, it's awful. And um, I'm not looking to contribute to the, to the negativity and to, to a lot of the sadness, but to be on the opposite end of the spectrum and try to create, you know, that, that, that uh, zest for life and that, that ability that we, we or instill in people the confidence that, you know what, at any given time, we're one decision away from changing things. Absolutely. That's it. You know, it's, it's really powerful when we really fully own that and embody that. Wow. You know, get out of the way. <laughs> it's, uh, no, yeah. I absolutely hear you almost as if you're speaking to me with a foghorn because mm. the first eight days of this year have been heavy they've been so mm. heavy um mm. and it's just there's so much if we focus on the heaviness there's so much that we can get caught up with but if i think the way that people learn best no matter your learning style is always mm. when they don't realize they're learning so yeah, your right. approach seems very kind of like oh my goodness i learned this stuff about myself and I didn't even know I was on this journey, you know? 
I'd like how you frame that as well. You know, I learned this stuff about myself mm. because we have to recognize the ego is there. And, yes. and I mean, it, it has to be there. Like no one's going to look after you. Like you can look after you. No one's going to care about you. Like you should care about yourself. And, but it, it is that what's in it for me kind of approach to, to living life. Now it's not always like that. We, we, for myself, I get a great sense of satisfaction and enjoyment and yeah, it makes me really happy to help other people. Mm. I do it selfishly. <laughs> you know, I tell people I am, I'm very selfish about doing things for others. Why? Because it makes me feel really good. So somebody like, well, then are you doing it for yourself? Are you doing it for them? I'm yeah, both, yeah. but it makes me feel really good. And yeah, so I prioritize time to do that kind of stuff. And, uh, the, you know, but I, I've got to look after me, you know? And so when the ego gets in the way, we're always wondering, well, what's in it for me when it comes to this? And when you actually get to just start taking on certain things and start applying what you're learning and you see it benefit yourself personally, you start to see results. Yeah. That's what really gets us excited, you know? And it's like, okay, I can keep doing this. You know, you, you need quick wins. Quick wins are good, you know, and they keep us going. One of the main things I learned last year was that, or not learned, I knew it, um, mm-hmm. but I think it was re, I rediscovered it, is that two, two things can be true at the same time. And mm-hmm. I think what you just said made me think about that in the sense that mm-hmm. people want you to be altruistic or they want you to be selfish. Yeah. There's right. no kind of middle ground. And actually, you're absolutely right. There is. I can get something from helping you. It does, yeah. It's about balance. It's not about yeah. whether I'm doing this solely for myself, which therefore isn't altruistic, or whether I'm only doing this for you. It can be the fact that actually I'm helping you or I'm trying to offer support or put things in place that enable you to help yourself. But, and I feel good about that, but it doesn't take away from the benefit you're, you're receiving from it, you know? That is really cool. I, yeah, I, I like that. And you're right. It's sort of like that yin and yang, right? You got these yeah. two opposing energies or concepts or ideas, but they, they are very much, you know, um, I, I, mean, I wouldn't say they're exactly flip. It was probably not an equal balance there, but they, they do. They're sort of the, the, this polarizing views and uh but like a yin and yang it's sort of the one symbol floats into the other one and it's this constant sort of flowing and uh i I think it's just learning how to navigate that so you're right so you're not just lopsided (laughs) all the energy just goes to one or over the other it is trying to find that that balance but i always find it really fascinating because the more i I have a lot of people uh, that 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 i've worked with that really concerned about work-life balance you know that's the thing it's like i need work-life balance and i'm like what does that mean (laughs) you know (laughs) because as soon as you start focusing let's say on life you know, you start working on relationships. Well, to really make the changes we want in the area that we want to make the changes, it needs all of our attention. Yeah. So, so as soon as you start focusing in the one area, what happens to the other area? Well, it starts to dwindle. So Because you can't focus on two things at the same time. No. You know, we, we just can't. So this work-life balance is really just a, it's a decision to try to, to balance or, or at least manage commitments, right? Versus yeah. time. And it's just really blocking the time to give everything a little bit of your attention. But when you give it the attention, it should get everything. You know, it's not like, well, you look at phones, right? We look at our phones today, the notification. I mean, we have so much coming at us all the time. You know, people talk about productivity and I'm like, just focus on one thing. You know, you focus on one thing, you're going to do really good. You probably get it done quicker. You'll be more satisfied with the work that you've done. And it's amazing, but you might have to turn off I close the hundred tabs you have open, <laughs> put yeah. your phone in airplane mode and just 
focus on the single task. And uh, it's amazing, you know? Amazing. It's really interesting. I've got a friend who we've become really close over the last three years. Um, and I am an eternal, I think we meant, I mentioned this to you before we, we went live, but I'm in an eternal, well, I kind of mentioned it to you. I'm an eternal insomniac. So I do my best work at night. I, I try yeah, to make yes. sure that that time isn't dead time of me trying to sleep. It's just, it's when right. I, I, I make it work, right? I love that. Um, I love so that. what would happen is, because I would be awake all night, um, people would know that I was awake and they would call me. And then mm. because daytime is for living life, people would be calling me during the day. So I didn't have that kind of switch off time that most people have. So I started to get into this habit and it's a habit that I have now, even if I haven't slept for 48 hours, this is a thing that happens. My phone will automatically go on to do not disturb at midnight every single night and it will not come off until 10 a.m. the next day. Whether or not I'm awake, whether or not I'm awake. And that doesn't mean I don't pick my phone up to check it. Mm-hmm. If I then check it and you sent me a message, I will then respond if I want to. But your right. access to me is now limited because I needed to understand. I needed to figure out yeah. my quiet time. I needed to carve yes. that out in a world where I'm the exception, not the rule. Right? <laughs> so like it's, it, your boundaries too, right? Yes. You got very clear on what are your boundaries and what, exactly. and, and you, but you can't compromise on those, right? Like those you are can't. like... Yeah, and they're non-negotiable. Thing, they're non-negotiable. Yeah. And this is the thing, though. He came into this being really confused by it and almost frustrated by it. Because he'd be mm. like, well, you were awake and I called, but you didn't answer. And he right. didn't understand my need to control yeah. that time for myself. And I use the word control, which is often seen as very negative. But actually, it was taking back control of my quiet time, my peace, yeah. and protecting that peace. And it's only after a period of time, him seeing the demands that people put on me, that he was like, that makes sense, mm, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to ask you, telling you that lovely long story on your interview. Yeah, I love I, it. I think it's great. <laughs> no, no, I love this stuff. This also gives me a lot more context than you and what we're talking about. So thank you. Right. So, well, I want to ask you, because one of the things I know about you is that you did something really hard recently. Mm. You did a 10-day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Vipassana, is it called? Yeah, Vipassana. V- oh, Vipassana. Okay. Yeah. No, it's okay. I didn't know how to pronounce that either. Okay. I'm probably saying it wrong, and I'm probably still saying it wrong, I, I, but I, it's got my Canadian accent in it. So okay, so basically silent. 10 day silent retreat. retreat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, no talking no exercise mm. no journaling no reading yeah. only meditating from 5am to 9pm yeah what the heck <laughs> Why yeah what the heck is that? right you know like it was well let me put it this way Shay. like you know when you're presented with an idea like you, you learn about something and it's something that's way outside your comfort zone and when you hear it for the first time you're like there's no way I would do that you know it's like one of those things where it's just like instantly no way I would never ever do that so what happened was I, I was introduced to this idea of this 10-day silent meditation retreat and and it's sort of like a course format because they really teach you you go deep it's a full immersion in understanding how to do the, this one one technique, um, meditation technique, which is called the Pashna. And, and it's believed or it's said, and it's been taught and passed down for thousands of years, but it's what uh, Siddhartha 
it was his meditation style when he sat under the tree and became the Buddha. And it's believed that this is his style of meditation. Now, the the retreat center, it was non-secular. So they just make reference, but it it wasn't like, I had people there that were Christians. There were uh, Jewish people. There was Hindus. Like there was all this mix of people here, but learning this meditation style. Because again, it's it's like taking a vacation inward, right? Like you're going in to focus on that stuff. But what was happening? So I, I got introduced to this concept. You know, I've been living in Bali for the last two and a half years and you, you meet some very interesting people in Bali, okay? There's just, if you ever read Eat, Play, Love, it is no exaggeration. And there's a lot of very spiritual individuals here. And, and so meditation is just like breathing, yeah. pardon the pun, but it literally is just like that. It's just an everyday thing. It's comes up in conversation all the time. But then this 10-day silent meditation, and I was just like, whoa, that sounds way too intense. But then what was really interesting is I was working with the business coach, had a conversation with him. He had just committed to going to do his first. And I remember, you know, a couple months later after he had completed that, coming back and our sessions, the whole tonality and the way he was interacting with me, everything changed. It was was profound. And then it came up in two other completely separate conversations, people that don't know each other, but came up about Vipassana and what it had done for them. I was like, okay, you know, law of attraction, universe, you know, manifestation, all this stuff. It's like, there's obviously something to this because this keeps coming up for me. And uh, so I was like, you know what? I I think I got to do this. Uh, You know, as uncomfortable as I am and as fearful I am of this, uh, I think I need to do this. So I, uh, yeah, it would have been last fall. I uh, committed to going and doing my first Vipassana in Thailand. And it it was an intense experience, but it was also probably one of the most worthwhile experiences I've ever had. You know, um, it's, and I can talk to that in a second, but yeah, that was, that was the gist of it. And it's, it is intense for sure. So I've got a few questions. (laughs) Yeah, please, please. I mean, how, how, my, my first question is a very kind of first world basic question. Yes. Yeah. How do you go from making the decision? Cause even you mm, make the decision, yes. you're still on your phone. You're still talking to your wife. You're yeah. still with playing with your, you know, your child and um, yeah. all of these things. You're still living in the world. You've just made the decision to go. How do you go from that to the first day of the course? Not mm. talking like how the most basic things, how do you fall into a, a rhythm that that's, not difficult or was it just really difficult? Well, what is super interesting is the the gentleman that's really known for bringing Vipassia, I mean, well, I use the term mainstream, but it's, I mean, it's still not mainstream, but in the world of meditation, <laughs> it, it would be much more mainstream because they now have global, like they're all around the world, these, these Vipassana centers and it's nonprofit. Right. It, you know, even when you go there, it's by donation only. Uh, they provide you with your food. It's usually one meal a day right. and it's vegetarian and it's all volunteers that are running these, these uh, centers. Yeah. And they're trying to recreate what it would be like to be a monk, you know, cause you have to, it, yeah. it, basically there's certain, there's certain tenets uh, in, in the, the, the Buddhist uh, philosophies and, you know, these basic, uh, you could almost call them rules to, to live by, but they're, they're like universal law, if you will. Like it, you wouldn't argue similar, you know, I'm not going to go religious on the conversation, but you look at the 10 commandments. It's like, well, these make sense, right? It's just like, these make sense. And, the same thing in, in, in 
that tradition, uh, Buddhism, there, there's these certain aspects. And so they want to encourage and create an environment that allows you to live into that fully while you're learning the technique, while you're spending all this time focusing on this inward reflection and, and journey, if you will. And uh, so going from, <laughs> you know, I, I went to Bangkok with my family and we, we traveled a bit around uh, Thailand for about six days. I went off and did my Vipassana at the retreat center. You get there, you get off the bus, they then segregate men from women. And uh, it was really cute because I, I swear the couple must have been late 80s, this, uh, this small Thai couple. And, uh, you know, they get off the bus holding hands and, you know, they get off the bus and there's this clear divide where it's like, you, you know, you got this little V split. And uh, they, I could tell they've done this before. And uh, right. a little kiss on the cheek, you know, hug, caress. He went off to hit her, his thing and they wouldn't see each other for 11 days, you know, uh, because wow. you, you are completely segregated. So men are with men, women are with women. And uh, there's a bit of an orientation. They, they take you through, they sort of explain the, the lay of the land and uh, they take away all your devices, any writing utensils, uh, sorry, writing apparatus, uh, basically anything that could be a potential distraction. They take it all away from you. And they, you know, you, you get set up and uh, 7 p.m. that night, they're, they're basically okay from this point forward until, you know, 10 evenings from now, this is how you're going to be living life. And they had a set schedule. So it was pretty easy to follow along. They, they've obviously done this a lot. And uh, they've got a process for, for those that are interested to follow along. But what was super interesting, Shay, is there was obviously some people that went into this with, with certain expectations, I would imagine, right. or, or, or beliefs of what the experience would be like. Because at least from what I experienced on the men's side, you're not there to acknowledge each other. Like even making eye contact, they frown upon. So it's really trying to be on your own while you're going through this, this journey. Even when you're having dinner, they have individual spaces where you would sit alone and eat because uh, they don't want to create that, that tension, if you will. Yeah. And what I found uh, was super interesting is, is, you know, even these guys that I've been there with for over a week and a half, you know, you would see them in the corner of your eye. You didn't meet each other even beforehand. Like there was no talk. There was no like, Hey, this is who I am. There was, there was no introductions. It was like, you just went right into it. And at the end of this, you know, you've been in this space with these men having a similar experience. You really know nothing about each other, but my mind would build stories around who they yeah. might be. Like just the judgment was phenomenal, you yeah. know? And then at the end of it, you know, we, we all, you know, you, you basically, uh, they say, okay, the, the silent meditation, like the, the, this course is now over. You, you have the morning to now chat to one another and we, we had a big meal together and it was really neat. But then you start talking to these guys and it's like, man, I had no idea. Like, <laughs> I made up so many stories in my head about who this person was, what they do and made some judgments like, oh, he doesn't look like a really nice guy, you know, like, and it, it was, it just taught me a lot about myself, just even that, uh, you know, and how, uh, many, how many men were there for, uh, for oh, um, as an yeah, example? That's what I forgot to say. Yeah. So I think there was nearly, uh, 60 men and, wow. and there was more women. I, I think they were upwards of 90, uh, but cause I don't think they take much more than like, this was a very large meditation center. And, yeah. um, but here was the interesting thing. Because I would be in there and I'd tend to sit near the back you know, was mm -hmm. where my meditation area was set up. Um, so I could at least, when I was going into the room and getting into my pillow and all that stuff, I could see all the other men and their, their spots that had been set up. Yeah. It, like, within the first day, there was already a couple of guys that had left. 
Right. You know? And then, then a few days later, that was going to be my next question. Therefore, okay. yeah, yeah, people can leave. Like they're, they're, it's not mandatory. You don't have to stay, but uh, you know, they encourage you to, to, to stay. I mean, I think about Bikram's yoga. I mean, what's their biggest challenge? Just stay in the room, right? Like yeah. just, <laughs> you're going to do it. Just stay in the room. You can lie down, stay here. And, uh, but a lot of men, I, it was probably upwards of about 30% were gone before the end. And, and so I, th- I thought that was really interesting because I, I, I wasn't planning for that. I didn't think that that was even an option. But, uh, yeah, a lot of men just left. They obviously got very uncomfortable. It just wasn't for them. They weren't in the space to, to, to commit to that. And because uh, it is, have, it's hard. Yeah, I'm sure. Did you have yeah. moments where you were like, you know, yeah. I, maybe I'll leave this time. I'll come again and do it properly another time. Because I know yeah, I, it, I feel like I would have had those moments. I definitely had moments where I was like, why am I doing this? You know, like, what is the real point here? And it was around day four through six. That was my hardest time. And uh, just because by that point, it was just like, whoa, I just, I'm not even halfway yet. <laughs> you know, when I'm yeah. day four. And then uh, by the time day five, day six, it just felt like that that midsection was just really, really hard. My body was aching, which is, you know, sitting on a pillow. You know, they want you to sit in lotus pose or something like that. I, I, my body doesn't like that. You know, right. um, but it was after a few days I found out that they have these little things that you, basically it turns the pillow into almost like a chair. Right. Like, Why didn't you tell me about that in the beginning? <laughs> I would have totally used that, you know, because yeah. here I've been struggling with just trying to keep my body in a certain position. And uh, anyways, um, so they, they wanted to make it comfortable for people they're, they're, and they recognize that if there's mobility things or injuries, like they want to accommodate. And uh, so they try to make it as, I hate using the term easy, but they, they really try to make it simple enough that you can come in and just, just start, you know, yeah. and they guide you through the first three days are really heavily spent on just teaching you to meditate, to right. focus, to focus on your breathing. It's, it's, it's wild though. You, you don't, <laughs> I did not realize how noisy my mind is, you know, like so noisy. And the amount of time I spent thinking about past stuff and the amount of time I started thinking about things I wanted to do and things I was planning to do as soon as I finished, like it was this ping pong game of, of reflecting on the past, reflecting on the future. And, and so it really was a, a constant exercise of trying to bring it back to right now, focus yeah. on the breathing right now, focus on what I'm feeling right now. And, but by the end of it, it became much easier. It was like, all of a sudden I'd have those thoughts still come up, but I could bring it back to now so quickly. You know, I could just let those ideas and those thoughts, let them go, come back to the meditation. And, uh, it created such a wonderful buffer for me. You know, I, I have this space now where I don't just blindly react like I used to. There is a little bit, just a little bit of buffer there that I can actually, contemplate what I'm about to say or what I'm about to do. And and, and in my relationships, that's where it showed up the most for me, you know, especially with my family, my kids and my wife, when I got back, they're like, who are you? (laughs) You They loved it, but they were just like, Whoa, this is wild, you know? And uh, yeah. So I highly recommend it. I mean, it's not easy, but it's so worth it, yeah. uh, you know, but it's definitely I mean, challenging, but yeah, it's wild. But they have Vipassana.org. Like, they have centers yeah, all over the world. Say, yeah. So Just for, go to the website. Yeah. yeah for the um, listeners, uh, I want them to know that you wrote a blog about your oh, Yes, yes, you, yes. You, you tell them all about it. And actually I was looking through it and it's very detailed. It's not just, I went to... 
um, oh no yeah, this yeah experience and it's called a complete guide to oh sorry vipassana yes got, that's right i mean yeah i've got it you're right <laughs> universal right is something else but yeah good okay yeah, yeah, um, meditation yeah. for beginners and i think that for beginners part is really important as well but Sure. towards the end obviously i'm going to make sure people know where they can find you but for this cool. where do they go yeah when you go to the website mm-hmm. uh, it, it's pretty cool like they basically have a massive directory of where all these centers are and, and so you just have to decide first where do you want to do it so do you want to do it in your home country do you want to travel for it and what was super interesting there was a lot of gentlemen from the the uk that were there. A number okay. of them from London, actually. <laughs> I think there was three gentlemen from London alone that, that made a point. One of them was a second or third time. And then a couple others were first timers, but they singled out. They were like, well, I kind of like to go to Thailand. And, and, but they wanted to do this 10 day retreat. So they built their vacation time around that. You know, so yeah. this was the thing that happened in the middle of their vacation. And uh, so decide where you want to do it first, what country. Then you find those centers in that country and then you, there is an application process. So you, right. you even though it's because it is, it's all donation based. Like it, there's no money exchange. Like it's, it's really neat, you know, and they make it so accessible. So it doesn't matter your, your, you know, your background, your, your status, like none of that, nothing like that matters. They want to make it fully accessible to anybody at any time, but you have to go through the application process. And then if you're accepted, that's the way you go. You, you just literally show up. And be ready to just live like a monk for literally 11 days. Wow. So last question on this, because I want to get into yeah, more about sure. you, you as well. Um, and I don't want to take up all of your time, but inquiring minds are going to want to know, did you feel changed instantly at the end? <laughs> It was a gradual thing. Like right. the, the shift is nonstop, but because you're, you're really, there's no other stimulus you know, there's not like distractions or TV or radio or, I mean, there was no distraction. So you were you really just left to your own vice <laughs> and yeah. vices and, and, and especially just that internal dialogue that's going on all the time inside of us. Um, I became just much more aware of that. And I, I did near the end, I felt just this sort of uh, almost like a tranquility, you know, like this, this peacefulness. Um, I, I have a friend and uh, he's a great guy and, and he does a lot of stuff with teachers and he, he teaches basically he helps teachers be happier, but he, he talks a lot about meditation, teach, teaches teachers how to integrate like mindfulness and meditation into their curriculums. And uh, really cool. But he's always like, it's just about maximizing happiness. And he's got a term called uh, a heart gasm. You know, it's this, this, this thing where, and I'm sure you've had this experience, you know, where it's just this over empowering sensation that, wow, I'm alive right now and life is great. You you know, it it just, and it, it literally, it's like your heart has an orgasmic (laughs) sort of explosion and you feel it everywhere. And, uh, that's basically how I felt near the end. You know, I, I just, I was so filled with great gratitude and, and isn't you know, that so much yeah, it's amazing. Present. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So. I love that. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that with us. I, I didn't intend to go that deep into it in the sense that um, I just think it's an amazing thing, but I couldn't stop. 
I, I didn't, I couldn't stop listening to, I, I have all these imagined, these thoughts and these, I can visualize it all. It probably looks nothing like it does in my head. But You'd be surprised. I bet you it does. Amazing picture, honestly. Thank you. I should, one little qualification and, and, yes. and really to, to let people know this, uh, there's a, a large degree of differences between these meditation centers from one yeah. to the next. I was very, very fortunate. The one I went to was fairly new. Right. It was beautiful. Like it, it was amazing. I had my own private room, which is yeah. not normal. Normally it's like a dorm style. Okay. Um, the food was fantastic. Like it, it was just, it was beautiful. I share some of those photos in the, the article I wrote. And yeah. Oh my uh, gosh, are they real? Those photos? Yeah, those are, that's, <gasps> that's legit. That is this magical place. But I've also then done a, a three-day Vipassana at another meditation center. And <laughs> it was okay. truly like living <laughs> like a monk, okay? Like it was, yeah. you know, it was like dirt floors. It was like an old beat-up building with mosquito nets over the, the this this pillow basically on the on the ground and wow. not, no complaining, but it was a very different experience. So I just want people to be aware that if you're sensitive to settings and surroundings and all that, maybe do a little bit of research. And, and I find a lot of people will use Google reviews, you know, they'll, they'll throw up on Google. You can find these centers and they often have photos that have been generated by people when they've either completed it right before they did their, their Vipassana's. But um, do, do a little bit of research. Don't just automatically apply without looking at maybe some of the facility photos and that to ensure that, you know, I want, I want people to have a good first experience. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you just said that as well. Thank you. Cause I'm sure my listeners would be, um, you know, like, <laughs> get some pictures, man. It sounded so great, but man, I lived on a, you know, like on the ground for yeah, 10 days and I have a friend that's a really good glamper, you know, wow. like it, there's no camping, like camping to him is like five stars, you know, like okay. it's, uh, <laughs> I'm really well yeah. with your friend because as a, as a young person, <laughs> I had to do a lot of camping, I never took to it, I hated it, um, uh, I'm probably the only one in my family, in my circle, in my network, but camping was not for me, yeah, so. I understand that, so <laughs> definitely you would want to make sure you research the center you commit to just well, to ensure that it's a fit. Meditation, mindfulness. All of the um, ASMR, all of these things are for me. Mm. And I'm very, very, I've always been, but more so the last, say, five, six years, very reflective and very mm. intentional in my reflection and that kind of thing. It's just the surroundings, I'd like them to be nice as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. no, no. Environment's so critical, right? Like the environment plays into much of, of just who we are, how we act, what, what we were thinking. I mean, it's, it's a heavy influence for sure. Cause it's our place in the exterior world. I mean, I, I know all the reflections inward really that's where everything happens, but we still have to live within an environment yeah. and we have to navigate that, you know, and it's super interesting what you just said there. And I, I just want to make a quick note on that. It's, it, it there's a, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, you've probably, maybe you've heard of him. Like he's a pretty popular in, the, in North America. He's written all sorts of books really in the personal yeah. development space. And he wrote a book called The Shift. And yeah. it's this really neat, like sort of like this, this phenomena that, that happens to individuals as they sort of go from, you know, mid to late thirties into the early forties and beyond. And it's this sort of shifting from, or, or we feel this calling, if you will, to, to go away from I you know, the yeah. ego and now trying to make a greater impact and trying to shift into basically leaving the world as a better place than when we got here, yeah. you know, 
and and it's really cool to see how he articulates this and, and frames it. And I, I really found that quite profound because I've done a lot of I've struggled quite a bit, you know, especially with, I lost my father to pancreatic cancer a couple of years ago. And it just, you know, he was a young, a young 72, you know, like he wasn't old by any means. And many of them met him wouldn't have thought that he was 72 in his seventies. And so, you know, just life is fragile. It really is. And, uh, yeah. And I often think, you know, (laughs) my dad, when he was my age that I am now, I'm 43 now, uh, you know, he, he left my mom. And, uh, he, he ended up uh, dating my, and well, he eventually married her, my, my stepmom. Uh, but she was, you know, 13 years younger. And, uh, I remember my dad also upgrading his car and yeah. getting a condo. Like it was just, you know, we, we sometimes jest or, or talk about the cliche of this midlife crisis. Right. And Wayne Dyer talks a bit about that, you know, and, and this, this desire to try to shift things up, but it's really because we're ignoring that deeper desire to make a great impact, to, to, to create legacy, to, to serve others. And it's often this negative ramifications that we create for ourselves if we ignore that calling. And uh, so I like that you've talked about this last five years, you become much more reflective, much more intentional, much more aware of, of the things that you want. And, and I think that is something that's important for everybody to, to, to pay attention to. But if you don't know how to reflect inward and yeah. create that space, that's where this meditation type of program can help. But I'm not saying just of a passion. There's lots of meditation styles out there. Like yeah. You could do a one day course, but just do something to help you with that reflection and that introspection uh, skill, because it is invaluable. It is. It's so interesting that you should pick up on what I said and that something, when you picked up on what I said, something mm-hmm. then came into my mind because I wanted to explain where it came from, the trigger. Ah, me. please. And then you went on to explain about your dad passing. So, um, and, and just to say, I'm, I'm really sorry that happened to you. Well, thank you. But, um, yeah. In 2010, I was diagnosed with cancer and I was told I had three months to live at that time. Oh I mean, my goodness. Now. I mean, yeah, what? 2020 now. So, wow. but <laughs> amazing. Congratulations though. That is that, that your will to live is massive. <laughs> I wasn't, I didn't have that will at that time. And this is what's wow. so interesting because after I was very ill, I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm still, I'm still unwell because of it. And I still have pain and from surgeries and all sorts. Right. But that is by the wayside, right? In the sense mm. that after a few months of being really, really unwell, my face being a blood clot, the the scar in pain, medic upwards of 40 tablets a day and all of these things. Wow, my goodness. I, all I could sob about, all I could cry about was the fact that I would have no legacy and that in a year, mm. <laughs> everyone would forget me. That's what I was focused on. I wasn't scared of the cancer. Wow. I wasn't scared of, you know, anything else. I was like, no, I'm dealing with that. It was my legacy that I was so focused on. Um, so interesting. Yeah. And then I got into this really dark place. So for a couple of years, it really kind of rained on me. Um, and when mm. I started to come out of that depression, it was around 2014, 2015. Mm. And I was like, I cannot do this in this way anymore. If I do this this way for a day longer, even a day longer, I will never come out of here. <sighs> and so I made a change and it was a change that could not be forced, right? You have mm-hmm. to get to that place organically, naturally, 
and almost intentionally, but you can't be like, right, today I'm going to be better. You can't. Yeah. It's yeah. not sustainable, right? If you're just faking it, I mean, I do believe in the fake it until you make it only so far, <laughs> but it, it's just not sustainable. And then yeah. a few years ago, I wrote a book and I've got a series of books um, called the Dream Day series. And the mm. first of which has, has been published, it's Sunny Days. And that wonderful. Book, wow. Congratulations. That's super cool. Again, yeah. I'm back in your interview, but no, do you no, know what? I love this. Please continue. I want to hear this. I just find, I just find the things you're saying connect so well with me. And I know it will connect with my listeners because um, I wrote Sunny Days, not as a tool, not as a self-help tool to kind of be like, right, I was in a low place. This is what I did. You can do it too. That doesn't work. The way to, well, it it might work for some, but the way for me to help you, to assist you, to enable you is by saying, you know you when you're ready. That's when the time is to go. You know, that kind of thing. Because it's really, really important to know yourself uh, even when all the noise around you is saying the opposite. It's really important that you do it in your time. Otherwise, living is not sustainable. And I mean living in the sense, not breathing. I mean living right, in the sense right. of existing. It's not sustainable. And you end up living a mediocre life that yeah. is not worthy of, you know, whatever you're giving it, the breath you're giving it. So, mm, yeah. Profound. <laughs> it's, I, I thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's, I can relate so much to your story because there's been some pretty big, pinnacle moments, you know, the, the days where things could have gone completely different, you, you know, it's almost like you come to that fork in the road and it's like, you could have gone left or you could have gone right. I mean, it, it was like a clear decision to go that direction that you went, but you know, deep down, if I went that other direction, my life would be very different today. Yeah. And I think about those moments and there was a, a really strong uh, ownership, if you will, or awareness of the pain that I was in at the time. You know, you talk about depression, you talk about your sadness, you talk about just what you were navigating emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, as well as physically at that moment. And and so there's pains in all those areas, right? It's not just you experience it just physically because it affects, it's all connected. And when that pain, when we realize the pain of not changing is yeah. greater than the pain of changing. Yes. <laughs> we know we're ready to make a change, you yeah. know, like it's like, whoa, yes. Okay. I cannot do what I'm doing right now because this is, this is ludicrous. It's gonna, I mean, It's going to hurt way more than actually taking the effort to make some changes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, mm. So before we came on here, we were talking, I asked you a question and then you gave me yeah. a great answer and I said, no, 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 please repeat this on air for me. So I'm going to ask you a question because I need everybody to sure. understand that the die that has been doing, has been living your way for so mm. many years and the die that I can't possibly understand. And the reason I say that is because... Um, I asked you about the time it is. Do you, you, you said it's 5.30 where you are. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so early. Can't imagine that for myself. Do you always get up this early? And you revealed 
<laughs> well, it's it's a habit. Some people would probably consider it a curse. But, uh, you know, since I was about 18 years old, I, I've been getting up between 4.30 and 5 a.m. every day. It doesn't matter the time zone I'm in. I'm always waking up at that time. And uh, usually before my alarm, almost almost all the time, like I wake up before the alarm. Like it's that ingrained in me. It's just like my body knows. And I'm normally in bed by 10. You know, I, I really try to get at least... Um, my, my, my special zone, my, my go zone is six hours a night's sleep. You know, I feel optimal with six hours. And I know there's lots of, of conflicting views on sleep. Um, but I think it depends on your lifestyle and the lifestyle factors that play into that uh, based on how much recovery time you need. Because I know in my six hours, it's very restful. I get plenty of recovery and recuperation, you know. Um, but but what's really interesting, and, and just to, to acknowledge sort of what I said before, Shay, because people often wonder, well, man, that's, that's, it's awesome, but no way I can do that. Like that's sort of that initial response I get from people. But so I try to frame it up from like, what's in it for you? And when I think back to myself, you know, my, my previous company I was developing, and that was more than a full-time job. And I had my two kids at the time who were quite younger, so they required a lot more of my attention as well. Obviously, I'm dating my wife, so that takes a lot of priority time. Mm-hmm. And then I was also writing a book, running my website, building up my own personal profile. And so my days were very, very full, yeah. you know? And But here's the gist of it. Six hours a night's sleep versus, say, the traditional eight or even as much as nine. Mm-hmm. Just those extra two hours per day, when you look at that after the whole year... I get a whole extra month, an extra month, you know? (laughs) So when people would ask me like, how do you do everything that you're doing? I'm like, this is my secret sauce. I just, I leverage these two extra hours a day where I'm not sleeping. I don't fill it with TV. I don't fill it with distractions and social media and all this. This is where I'm really doing the stuff that I'm passionate about, you know? And, uh, it's been amazing just the capacity for getting stuff done. And as a content creator, I love it because it is my time, my uninterrupted time. My family gets up around seven. So I know I've got at least two hours by myself, you know, and there are certain rituals that I, I maintain during that two hours. If I feel like it, I'm no, I'm not about prescribing a fix. And I find that's, that, that, it's never worked well for me to say, I got to do the same thing every day and create this habit. And I get it, but sometimes my body doesn't want that. Some mornings I'm like, I don't feel like doing meditation this morning. I just, I don't feel like I need to. I don't feel like I want to journal this morning. Yeah. You know, that's okay. Good. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm going to listen into what I need right now, what I feel inspired to do right now. And then I just do it. <laughs> you know, yeah. I just do it. Yeah. I love yeah. it so much. And I, I'm so glad that you shared that with me and then and now with my listeners, because I think that's so important. And the mind blown bit is that if you look at those two hours in a, in a different way, you do accumulate yeah. that month. And I could do so much in a month, right? <laughs> so that, Well, exactly right. And, and, and I even tell some people, I'm like, even if you gave yourself a half an hour a day, yes, you're giving yourself a week extra a year. Yeah. What could you do with one week of focusing on a singular task? Like I have a lot of people that are like, well, I'd like to start a new business. 
great. Or I want to start a new organization. I want to, well, what if you truly gave it 30 minutes undivided attention every single day? Well, at the end of the year, you've given it seven days, yeah. you know, like that's a lot of hours, a lot of energy. Yeah. Will you be okay. further along at the end of that year than you were when you started the year? Well, absolutely. Exactly. And you could spend yeah. that year thinking about the fact that you want to start a business and do yeah. that. So actually, that time's going to yeah. pass anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. So is you, um, is you, because that's great. <laughs> I like it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> you as a person, you as mm. um, a dad, as a husband, as you know, who are you? What is your character like? Have you always been this way or was there a trigger that? No. Right. Oh man, there's been a couple. And <laughs> as a teenager, uh, well, actually from the age of about nine through 14, uh, I was morbidly obese. I was, I was really, really large. And, um, you know, it wasn't any medical condition. It wasn't any one thing. It was just the fact that my lifestyle at the time, which was very withdrawn, uh, my parents had just separated and, you know, my mom was working more than full time. She was also back in school getting her master's. And then my dad was running his practice. Uh, so they, they were both just busy. And um, so when, when left on your own, especially starting around the age of 10, you know, and, and for those, those very influential years, I was left to do my own food, you know, and, and, and just I'd have a lot of time by myself or with my brother. And so we played a lot of video games, watched a lot of movies, ate a lot of very nutrition. Well, we ate a lot of good food, but also ate a lot of food that wasn't helping the cause. It was just a lot of calories, a lot of consumption. Mm -hmm. And uh, by age 14, I was, yeah, full on morbidly obese, which, you know, any, anybody that's experienced that state uh, of being, it's very hard because it just amplifies a lot of the, the things that we often take for granted and amplifies how difficult they can become when we're not maintaining a certain level of health. You know, like just even walking up a flight of stairs, I became extremely winded. You know, I, I avoided any social settings. I, I was extremely introverted and I, I just was really living into this, this idea I had of myself, which was very poor self opinion, you know, low self-esteem and very withdrawn. I was very depressed. And, uh, I, I remember one day, you know, and we talked about the pain, right. Of change. Yeah. And, um, I was at my dad's for, for the weekend and it, normally I had this thing in his condo where if I was in the washroom and, and, you know, using the shower, I knew if I stayed in for over 10 minutes and had it really hot, that the mirror would be covered in condensation when I would come out. Yeah. And so I wouldn't have to see my reflection. Wow. This day though, this one day, and it's, it's interesting how this, this stuff happens, right? And, and you, you have to often wonder, well, why did it happen that day in that moment? Exactly like this. And I, it, it, I was being rushed. My dad's like, okay, quick rinse. We got to go. And I don't even know what we were doing that day. We could have been going bowling. I don't even really know. I, I don't remember. But I remember I was rushed. So I was in and out of the shower and I came out and I turned to the right, caught my eyes, turned around full view, frontal view on the mirror and did the gaze all the way down, all the way up. And I remember grabbing onto my rolls and just, I broke down. It was like ugly cry, sobbing, felt so sorry for myself. I, and a lot of thoughts of suicide came to my mind at that moment. Right. Uh, and to be honest, 
the, the fear of dying far outweighed any other fear of potentially changing and whatnot. I was like the finality of that, that is final. And I started thinking about others and not just myself. And it, I, I was like, no, okay. If I'm not going to do that, what can I do? I either have to accept as I am and be happy with that, or I have to choose to do things differently than I've been doing them up to now. Yeah. I chose the latter. And that started a 20 month transformation of me just educating myself on nutrition and fitness. And my parents at this point in time, they'd always been encouraging me. Can we get you into sports? Can we pay for this? Can we get you that? You know, like higher nutrition. They were very supportive, but it, I never wanted any of that. Every time they said that to me, I'd fight them on it, you know, but at this moment, all of a sudden I made this choice and then I became very receptive for any help. I would take anything. You know, and I was, thank you, tremendous gratitude for them doing that, you know, and uh, 20 months later, I made this massive transformation and it, it was, it, it really set me up for my vocation now and the things that I do now, because going through that, I even had my friends and my parents, not only my own friends, they all saw this massive transformation, yeah. you know, from the guy that was the biggest kid in class to now being, uh, you know, a, a fit and healthy individual. And even then my energy started, I started to come out of my shell a bit more. I was still very introverted. I, I dealt with a lot of social anxiety and, um, but I was able to cope with that a lot better because now I had my health. I had this inner confidence that I was building and, uh, yeah, people started to ask me for help to do their own changes, their own transformations. And that's what introduced me to coaching and mentoring. And I loved it. I loved helping others get results like I got. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, that's sort of what got me started in that space. And, you know, there's been other pinnacle moments, those left versus right decisions to travel a certain path. And to be honest, I worked a lot on the exterior. So I, I know when people become very focused on body image and that is like the soul focus, yeah. it creates a massive imbalance. Right. Wow. And so I spent all this time working on my exterior, never doing any internal work, mindset work, spiritual work, nothing like that. Um, and, uh, which created problems as I got into my twenties, because now it's like, okay, well, it's great. I focused on all this other stuff. I, my motivation was, I want a girlfriend, you know, like check, 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 got all that stuff. Um, but then I realized that the social anxiety piece was still there. And as I started getting more into like leadership capacity and the various careers that I was working, uh, I realized that oh, this is a big crutch, massive crutch. And, and I used to use alcohol and, and occasionally drugs to, to, um, help me find that comfort. And, and ultimately it just became a learned response to certain stresses. It was just like, no, I'll have some drinks. I'll have a few pints, you know, and, and I'll feel better. I, and I was a different person. I'd have two or three drinks and I was a completely different person. I mean, people loved it. They called me fun guy die, wow. you know, like that's, there was a, a moniker for me. Like, this is who he is. This is the, like, we want to hang out with Di, especially when he's drinking. Cause it's a lot of fun, yeah. which you know, it, it completely contrasted who I actually really was and who I wanted to be. Yeah. And, uh, that was a path I was on for about 10 years uh, of that kind of reason. I, at the time I was having kids and I, anyways, I, I'm rambling right now, but it, it came to oh, another pinnacle so. moment, which was 10 years ago. And I like, I talked about that in a second, but I just want to give you some time to let me breathe. And, uh, so I can hear you. <laughs> and I'm sorry if I go off on these tangents. But, Honestly, uh, no, this is all so interesting and it's, it's so Again, it's so pertinent to life, to everybody's life, I believe, mm. because you're you're saying things that you you know what it is? You're answering questions that I'm not asking. 
Does that make sense? No. So it, 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 get to stage, you'd answer my question and I'd have a question in my head and you'd, your next sentence literally answers it. Um, oh, so it's, cool. I have no problem with you, you talking about this stuff because it's so important and it's the kind of, it's what I know my listeners would want to hear anyway. Um, so for instance, you just mentioned the fact that you were so focused on body image and, and that kind of physical aspect, mm-hmm. but then you realised that that isn't enough. And at that time you were saying that I was on, I'm on your website and I was looking at your five pillars. So you've literally led me to exactly where I was going. So honestly, <laughs> it's not even a problem because in understanding that one element, so the physical element isn't enough for you to feel differently on the inside. Mm-hmm. Is that when you kind of started and, and, you know, you've become a coach, you've started to do things in the direction of your dreams is that when you kind of figured out that, so you've got the five Fs, you've got fitness, family, finances, faith, and fun. Um, and that sounds like a pretty solid plate to me. It sounds like a good solid plate of meat, veg, and all of the other yes. stuff. Right? <laughs> well, is that where it, that all came from? The understanding that... The, the seeds the were planted. Yeah. Yes. And... You know, just sort of fast track. So most of my 20s was spent, you know, building my career, uh, gaining a lot of what I was chasing, which I believe to be success. And I valued success as actually not quality of relationships, but more of a amassing of, of stuff, um, as well as, you know, the status, uh, chasing certain statuses. And really just a whole lot of smoke and mirrors. And uh, I was very dissatisfied. Um, And I had a vision of who I wanted to be. And to be honest, I was a great salesperson because I obviously sold my wife on that same vision of who I was. You know, we're very good at that. When we're courting, we, we, we bring our best assets out and we make that the primer. May not be our defaults, but we showcase it as if it was. And I mean, we can't undo millennia of DNA coding. I mean, this is just <laughs> survival. Right? This is the, the, the there's certain inner workings that are well. The, these patterns are, have been deeply rooted, so it's not like you can overwrite these, but you can create awareness around it and choose to do other things. But listen, we got a lot of stuff that's already in us, and. At least we don't have to deal with tigers anymore, right? We're, we're not so fearful to, to, to freeze and, and be very, you know, passive in how we live in the world because we're worried about a monster eating us. But we've replaced that with other things, you know. And um, so what I found was, you know, I it just I got very good at numbing a lot of the stress, a lot of the pain, a lot of the depression, uh, a lot of the negative self uh, thoughts and opinions. Because as much as I might have transformed my exterior and become a healthy fit guy that was running a, a fitness company that was doing very well, um, living a certain lifestyle to try to reflect this individual that I was becoming, I was still very depressed because it, it was just, to me, it was all just a, a, a shell, you know? And, um, psychologists call it cognitive dissonance, you know, sort of basically this idea that we see ourselves as something far greater than we are, um, or it's something that we aspire to be or live into. And then we have who we actually keep showing up consistently as my two poles were so far apart. There was a massive chasm between them. (laughs) And I found the only way to avoid the chasm was to fill it with things that only 
distracted me from truly owning the fact of uh, how unhappy I was. And, and then we get into this slippery slope and the cycle of numb the pain. Okay. Sober up, numb the pain, sober up, numb the pain. And it was just this ongoing thing. And, uh, when my kids were at four and six years old, you know, really young, I remember one morning and this was this fork in the road moment, uh, you know, where, where you can clearly see two paths and you can see, you know, let's say it's like a beautiful day. It's a flat road. You can see miles in either path. So you're very clear on my decision right now is going to take me there. And my wife was very upset. I, I'd been out the night before. I didn't come home when I said I would. I wasn't replying to her phone uh, and her, her messages to me. And I was just really just caring about myself. And I, I don't remember how I got home that night. Um, I since found out that a friend brought me back, and, which is great. I'm glad <laughs> I didn't drive, which I used to do. Um, you know, that's just a little side note. I, I used to have very poor judgment calls when I was inebriated. And uh, I got home. I woke up on the Berber carpet that morning. Family was up downstairs. Uh, I sort of picked myself up, brushed myself off. I uh, did a little rinse with some some mouthwash. <laughs> Went down to join my family. My wife was aggressively unloading the dishwasher. You know, she was, every dish was clang. I mean, you could tell she was like really upset. She's a redhead. Just a little qualification here. Uh, she's, she's fiery. All right. And, um, she's also someone that wears her heart on her sleeve and yeah. uh, she, she will always be honest with you, but always from a place of empathy and a place of seeing you for, for who you are wanting to be and holding you accountable to that vision. You know, because I love, her. I love her already. She's amazing. She's amazing. And, and, you know, she would see in me, who, who I couldn't see in myself. And I, I want to give her full credit, you know, as much as I've lived through a lot of these changes, it's without her, I don't know if I could even started the process, you know? And, uh, so this morning she's really upset, you know, and, um, kids are on the couch watching Dora the Explorer. <laughs> I remember that. And, uh, I, uh, you know, she finished unloading the dishwasher. She just gave me that look. Right. And it was a different look because it was almost, there was no empathy here, but it wasn't even anger. Even though I, I believed her to be angry at the time, it was just sort of like complete disdain. Like she's done. You know what I mean? It was just like, I just don't even care anymore. It was like, she'd given up. She asked me to sit down. We sat down at the table and I could tell, you know, when you're a significant other <laughs> says, listen, we just need to have a talk. And, and they had that look in their eyes. Like there's just nothing else there. Uh, I knew this is, this is something's going to happen here. And, um, basically she proceeded to say that she's going to take the kids and she's going to leave. And, uh, that was, you know, really hard realization for me. Um, and you know, obviously uh, tears were shed on both sides and, uh, you know, quite kids like seeing us upset. We're like, Oh, what's going on? You guys. Okay. You know, like they're, they're just four and six. They only want to see a smile. You know, I, I love that in children. They just, if you're smiling. Everything's good. <laughs> it's, um, but you know, we, there was no putting on any fake smiles right at this moment. And, uh, they, they knew it. The kids are intuitive. And, um, my wife, we, we got into conversation, you know, once we calmed down a bit and, and 
I was pleading my case, but I've done this many times before, Shay, like, like most good men, I, I was very good at, you know, begging for forgiveness rather than asking yeah. for permission, but also pleading my case. Oh, don't worry. I won't do that again. And then, you know, have a great month. And then that month of being really good was oh, justified. And I ended up with, with the guys, you know, and just ridiculous when I reflect on this. And, um, so I was 32 at the time, my wife's looking me in the eyes and she asked me a singular question. And this is the question. She said, are you being the type of man that you would want to marry your daughters? Yeah. And everything just boom. It just changed. Like instantly I had this awareness of the man I was being. And I started thinking about my daughters 20 years in the future coming home with some significant other. And if that person was even remotely like the person I was living as at that moment, I wouldn't even let them in the house, let them alone get around my daughters. So here I am role modeling the exact opposite of what I would want my daughters and what they deserve, you know? And right then and there, I made a commitment. I got Chrissy to sit on the couch with their daughters and I'm like, I'm guys, this it just, I, I, it was like different and they could tell. It was almost like coming out of that Vipassana. They could they, tell. Yeah. Yeah. They, they could tell. It was like coming out of the Vipassana. They're like, who are you? You know, like they could tell that there was this incredible amount of, uh, well, just decisive energy in me. And, and I made a commitment to not drink for one year. Mm-hmm. I go, just, I'm not going to drink for a year. I'm going to work on me, work on our relationship that daddy's going to make some changes. You know, like I was just, I'm making the commitment to all three of them. And more importantly to myself. And, I was just going to uh, say actually to all four of you. Yeah. 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 And, and you know what? It's now, I just celebrated 10 years since wow. I had my last drink. So like all the, I realized we're in a new decade. I started 2010, January 1st with this commitment of one year, no drink. And then when you start taking away the crutches, you have to learn to walk again. Yeah. And I had to learn to walk again and I had a lot of people help me. You know, I had a psychologist I worked with for about four months. I had a counsel, a couple of counselors, actually. I also went to a lot of meetings. You know, I, I did look into the 12-step program thinking I had a, a, a problem that maybe I couldn't change. I, maybe there was a, something else here. And, and I learned pretty quickly that wasn't the issue. You know, I, I, I'm not a massive fan of 12-step program, but that's more of a personal uh, side of things. But um, I, I don't like admitting I'm powerless against anything. You know, like I'm like, no, I, I mean... I chose to drink. I chose to do the drugs. I chose to be promiscuous. I take full ownership of my, my actions. You know, it wasn't anything else forcing me to do it. And, um, so that started, a, a, another journey similar to how I became very focused on my exterior. I now was like, Nope, I'm going to work on the interior. <laughs> and that became literally the last decade of just working on personal development, which also complimented me professionally, but a lot of personal work. And, uh, yeah. So that's ultimately, you know, fast forward, uh, five years later, I, I was doing so much community work and helping others that, um, that's where that sort of philosophy of the five S came from and, and that framework. Cause I really summed up, this is what, how I uh, manage the priorities of my life. And, um, so yeah, that's it. I, I mean, whew, yeah, even just talking about it, it's like, it always brings me back to that space. And it's like, wow, I thank goodness I chose the choice that I made. You know, I, I'm, I don't even like to think about where my life would be today had I not made that decision. I love 
that so much. And I'm so grateful for you sharing everything you shared with me today. And um, the interview's not over. Don't worry. We're just going <laughs> to the, the, the really, really fun bit. But honestly, there's so much to think about from everything you said. And even if, even if, so, so to my listeners, I'm speaking directly to you guys now. If you, even if you have no intention of going um, and sitting silent for 10 days, even if you have, um, you think that you're comfortable in, in the space that you're occupying in the world right now, even if you don't feel that you need kind of external validation um, mm. or coaching or whatever it is, I would suggest you go and look at Dai's website anyway, because it's not, I don't find the website to be very kind of prescriptive about who you need to be, who you are. Um, I, it, it's so hard to explain. Just go and look at his website. D-A-I-M-A-N-U-E-L.com. It will be on all of my social media. The moment you're listening to this, you can go to my social media and find it. Um, because I think, honestly, back to back in the room now with you, Di, I think you're awesome. And I think I'm so glad that we've been able to have this interview. And I think there's so much more that you can probably share. And obviously, um, we don't have an extra month <laughs> here to do that. You do. <laughs> I uh, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Shay. This has been a, a real pleasure. And uh, like I said, I... I We've started a conversation today, but it's far from over, and yeah. um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue it. You know, okay. absolutely. Please bear with me for the next bit, then, because it's going to seem with all the deep stuff we've spoken about, no it's going to seem really silly. <laughs> it's okay. No, I I think we need some brevity now, so yeah. some levity. Sorry, levity, but uh, yeah, I'm all good with that. Yeah. So this this is the section where I just ask you random questions, and you answer them how you want. It's as simple and as um, complicated as that. Awesome! I love it. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Tea or coffee? <sighs> I'm a coffee man. Okay. Favorite movie? Oh, man, there's a few. Uh, it depends on the genre, but I, I really like Fight Club. Because <laughs> it's been one of my, my favorites. Yeah, you know, Brad Pitt. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy that. But I also like a lot of classics, um, yeah. especially like the Godfather series. I really love how that's written and just the, the storyline and epics. Yeah, and I, I, love, cool. I love film. I love all sorts of genres. I love it all. I just have never gotten around to the Godfather series. Ah, uh, fair enough. It's a big investment. It's like nine hours, 10 hours. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's a big investment, you know? So it's, um, and it takes a lot. It's, uh, yeah, but, but it is just a very well written. I mean, it's the reason why it's won Academy Awards, you know, oh, it's, cool. uh, it's just a, a really impressive movie. Um, what is the last song you listened to? The last song? Mm-hmm. Oh, what was I listening to last night? Actually, I, it's interesting. I have music on in the background most of the time. Um, I'm trying to, it was a Glenn Gould, one of his variations. I don't remember which one though. Um, I, I'm, I love piano. <laughs> and uh, um, so I was listening to that, but I, I listened to all genres of music, even some country and Western, you know, like I, I'm one of those people. I just, I think my parents for that. Like they, they introduced me to great music and I grew up going to, to concerts and 
folk festival. So a, a real eclectic mix of music. But I, I think last night, yeah, on my ride home um, from an event, uh, I was listening to some Glenn Gould. Yeah. Excellent. What was your dream job as a kid? <laughs> well, interestingly enough, uh, I used to want to be a vet, you know, and, and my father was a veterinarian. And so there's a lot of things there, you know, as I've gone through and done a lot of trauma release and just a lot of those, you know, we have certain belief systems that are in place based on a lot of past experiences and, and that desire to be validated by my dad and to have him proud of me. Like it, it right from an early, early age, from the, the moment where I can conceptualize that people went and did things to earn money, you know, had these vocations, yeah. uh, I used to say I'd be a vet. Wow. What social media are you addicted to? Well, I, let's say passionate about. Uh, okay. I, I don't. I'm most of my time is spent creating. Yeah. I don't actually consume a lot of content just because if I'm going to use the time, I'd rather use the time to to you know, create and and interact with people that interact with my stuff. Uh, That's where my time for that goes. But if I really had to go to it, you know, I I really do enjoy Facebook. It's still that, that primary for me. I find it, uh, I like the community aspects. I love the, the the ease with which I can stay connected and connect with new people. So um, it's, it's still my, my main platform for sure. I love that. I love that so much because the world is becoming faster and faster and people are like, Facebook, Mm. that's for old people. I know. I know, right? My kids are that way. And my daughters, like they're 15, 17. Instagram, Snapchat or yeah. <laughs> TikTok. Yes, exactly. And I, I'm struggling with adopting any of the new ones, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Instagram and Facebook, obviously, but I, I'm much more consistent on Facebook just because uh, that's the one I'm most, well, that, that I enjoy the most. I love that. What's your favorite food? Oh, well, I love Thai food. Like I really, really do. I, I enjoy really spicy food and authentic yeah. Thai food. So I would say that's, I don't have it all the time, but when I've got that hankering, uh, that's, that's the one I go for. Excellent. Milkshakes, vanilla or banana? Well, interesting. I, I like both. Like I, I mix them. I, I oh, like I make oh. smoothies uh, quite often and I usually do have a little bit of vanilla extract in there. And I, I always use frozen bananas as sort of the thicken up the base. So yeah. I am both. I'm both on that one. Excellent. I know it's so last decade, but Game of Thrones <laughs> or not? <laughs> okay. I've only seen the first two seasons. And uh, I started getting into it and it was just because by the time I got onto the bandwagon, they were like six or six seasons deep. And um, I just, I never had the time to fully just commit to, to, to embracing it and getting into it. But I love the first two seasons. I love the story because I'm a big uh, token fan and uh, I I just, I love fantasy um, and and it's such a well-written show. My goodness. But so it's still on my list to, to get to. So right now it's just, not now. Okay. <laughs> um, who is your role model? Well, it, I have a lot. Uh, I mean, it, the way I look at it, the world's pretty interesting now. You know, we, we have access to amazing people, amazing minds, amazing wisdom, all through our phones. You know, like it, it's so different than the pre-Google, I remember, you know, just the, the accessibility to, to, to amazing things. So uh, there's a lot of people that I would say are my role model, even though they're probably people I'll never meet, I'll never talk to, but 
I've come across their content and it's influenced me to, to shift what I'm doing in my own life. You know, back in the day when I was really into fitness, I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger. I still do really admire him, you know, and what, what he did, you know, for, for an industry. Um, same with Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit. I really admire what he did. And, and then there's Steve Jobs, what he did for, for his industry and specifically with the, yeah. with Apple, you know, and it, there's obviously some personal qualities that I'm not in agreement with these individuals, but with no, anything, they're, they're, they're extreme individuals and there's so many things that you can learn. And, and so I, I, I love to learn, but I like to learn through either living or past examples of people that have achieved things that I would love to achieve. And uh, so, I mean, the, the list would be long, but uh, those are some of the ones that come to the front of mind real quickly. Okay. Who was your childhood best friend? Um, so my family moved a fair bit only because my mom was always, she loves to decorate. I, <laughs> she, she, she would get a place and I swear it would be like perfectly dialed in. It would be all great. You know, like it was like perfect, you know? And as soon as I got to that, she's like, we need to move. Like she always needed a project. It, it was just really funny. You know, she loves to decorate. Is that your mom was your best friend? <laughs> Yeah, well, she was a very good friend and, and she still is today. But yeah. I, I would say that uh, because I moved a fair bit, um, you know, we would jump around between schools. But when I got into my high school, uh, you know, my, my one most consistent friend at that time was a gentleman by the name of Dave, Dave Slocum. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he was a good friend from grade seven through 12. Uh, so I, I got to know him. And then we actually, I, I hired him when he wanted to move out to Vancouver from Toronto. And uh, so he worked for me for a number of years too. But we've, we've since, you know, drifted apart about eight years ago. So I, uh, uh, thanks for uh, reminding me on that one. I should definitely try to reach out again. Oh, excellent. Okay, last two. Um, your worst days consist of? Oh, well, I mean, it depends. I guess, yeah, if I speak in the present moment, what do my worst days consist of? Uh, I, my wife and I, we have this, this idea that uh, every once in a while, you just got to listen to what's happening, be fully aware of our mental, emotional, spiritual, psychological states and th that wholeness of who we are in, in that moment. And there's some days where I just, I don't want to do anything. I want to Netflix and chill, you know, like literally just just not do anything. And we call it F off from reality days. You know, oh, it's that. just like, yeah. And, and it doesn't happen all the time, but when it happens, that's what we do. And we give ourselves permission to literally do nothing other than what we feel like doing. And most of the time that's like, let's just watch a bunch of movies, eat some food that we normally wouldn't eat and just make a day of it to just do that. And, um, yeah, that, that, I mean, so from a product production standpoint and, you know, just in living life, it would be probably the least productive of any of my days. Uh, but at the same note, it, I like those days too, because when I come out of that day and the next day happens, it's like, that was a great day. Now I'm really ready to get going again, you know? So it's like a hard reset for me. I feel like you've probably kind of answered the last question because um, it is your best days consist of. Oh, <laughs> getting up before my alarm, um, having a, a wonderful conversation, writing a marvelous article. Like I love to, to just provide content that I know if someone gets it at the right time, it's going to change them, you know, 
And, uh, and then from there, it's, it's connecting with communities. Uh, I love doing that. I, I serve a lot of communities. I, I mean, I started about 16 months ago, a men's group, you know, where just men come to dad, together to be vulnerable, to, to, to answer the question together, what's it mean to be a great man? Yeah. I love that so much. Thank you. Okay. Finally, we've come to the section that I'm about to surprise you with, um, which I surprise all of my participants with. And for those who haven't listened to Honest Participants Only, it's normally a great surprise in the sense that um, they haven't had a chance to overthink it. (laughs) Um, Great. This is the part that's called letter to yourself. So the instructions are simple. You're writing a letter either to your future or your past self. What does it say? The only rule is you start your letter, dear die, and you sign it off however you want. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I I think I love if I could have written a, a letter to my past self, I, I think in doing that exercise, actually that sort of oh, it also impacts my kids. Uh, so I, yeah, dear die as challenging as the moments have been, every challenge has not been without its own reward. Trust that your passions, your purpose have a process that you can align with to ultimately achieve those dreams, those visions, those desires, which have littered <laughs> your mind since the time you could even articulate words. Just trust the process. Embrace the journey. With every challenge, there's an opportunity to learn and grow. Don't give up. Love big. Care deeply. Embrace life. And all those in it, you got this, brother. <laughs> Yours in health and happiness. Your older self die. <laughs> I love that so much. Love big die. I love that. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. So in wrapping up, I just want to ask you, do you have any shout outs? You know, just to anybody out there that is struggling with something. You know, I, I know it's awful. And when you're in the moment and there's nothing worse, like it's just, it is it. And we sometimes can't see through that to realize that, you know, this too shall pass. And just, just realize it is temporary. It is, you know, it, everything changes. It's the only consistent, it's the only guaranteed bet in the entire universe is that things will change. As soon as you realize that and really embrace that, it can create the space for you to be much more aware of what's happening right now. So realize you're worth it. I hope you believe you're worth it. And you're if you don't, we need to talk. Yeah, yeah, you're going to laugh yeah. because I have two last questions, right? The first yeah. is where can people find you, which we'll get to in a second. My sure. very last question of the podcast um, and the radio show when I've done this type of interview interview is um, if you only had one sentence left, what would you want the world to know? You literally have pre-answered that question. haven't you? <laughs> I really did. Yeah. I, exactly what I just said. You could cut and paste that in again, but it really is just, just man, embrace change and do the best you can given the moment, given what you got and never ever be afraid of asking for help. 
I love it. That's it. That's I it. it. You know. So, Di, where can people find you? Well, it's a nice thing about having a unique name. Uh, Google likes me, and uh, just it just because if you get it right, you, you can find me on pretty much any platform that I'm active on. I have my name as my handle. So Diamond Well is the easiest way to find me if you want to use it through Google or you just go to my website, diamondwell.com. And um, I've got uh, a free program called the Whole Life Fitness Manifesto, which is based on my book. It's 28 days to, to maximize 2% of every day to improve your body, your mind and spirit for life. You know, 2% of every day is only 30 minutes. And, uh, and I give you everything, all the prompts, all the guidance. It's all there. It's free. There's no, there's no kicker here. There's no like any upsells or anything. It's just literally me giving away my book. And uh, I, you know, it's, it's impacted thousands of people uh, to, to live great lives and take advantage of it. Please join the community. And um, I, I bear with me. If you send me a personal message, I'm the only one that replies back. I don't have a team of people doing this stuff. I'd like to reply to all my inquiries myself. Just give me a little bit of grace. Give me a couple of days if I don't get back to you right away. But other than that, I can't wait to continue the conversation. It, this is this is wonderful. And uh, Shay, thank you so much. I love what you're doing. I love your passion, your authenticity, your vulnerability. Uh, it, it, you're doing everything that the world is in much demand for. And uh, thanks for being the role model and leading by example. Thank you so much. I'm going to get what everything you just said about me put on a t-shirt. So, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, it's, it's absolutely uh, uh, true, you know, bottom line, based on the shows I've been listening to and just uh, eventually, well, thankfully, I'm very grateful to have this conversation with you today. So it's, uh, you've just validated all my beliefs. So uh, thank you. Oh, thank you. This has been a Dream Days Experience production.